0: Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. In this episode, I'm talking to Jason Christiansen. Jason and I go back a number of years. He's a lender. I have been a home inspector and more recently a structural inspector. Um, and for that reason, he and I being in the same sector being real estate, uh, we've done a lot of videos together on real estate related topics, especially lending. Um, that's how I know him best. Jason is a good man. He is the kind of person that we all want to be around. Um, he makes everybody feel good about themselves when he is in the room. He's that sort of guy. But Jason has this darkness too, just like the rest of us. And I've watched him as he's managed that darkness over the years. He's going to talk a little bit about that in in this episode. Here we go. Welcome to Manalizing, where men talk about what men don't talk about. Speaking of men... We've got a man here, Jason Christy Anson. I've considered you to be a a man's man since forever. And what I have learned is that regardless of how much you think a guy's got it all figured out, there's demons in the dungeon. Always.
1: Always. There's always a story.
0: And I definitely don't want to do the dungeon yet because I don't want to make this just about darkness. Uh I, I want to have people get to know you. Okay. I wish they could get to know you like I do. That's not going to happen in an hour. Uh, you and I met um, quite a while ago. I was needing somebody to do uh realtor CE training.
1: Yeah.
0: I think I called James Roberts first yep. and yep. he says, call Jason. And I'm like, Jason, I don't know who Jason is. And so I called you and you said, I'm in. And I'm like, Okay, now, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, and we have done a lot of training since then., uh, we have probably what do you think? maybe
1: forty hours of it. Well one of the classes is twelve hours, so yeah, not on its own. And we have a we have a three hour, if not two, three hour. yeah, we've so twenty easy. And yet, um you know, despite the fact that we've done all
0: that training, we go back however many years we do what probably ten more. I have no idea what you're going to talk about today. Yeah,
1: it'll be interesting.
0: Um, so, you know, and I'll, I'll ask you, as always, to be as vulnerable as you choose to be. And if you don't want to go somewhere, then don't go there. Okay. Um, the training or the input that I didn't give you before we started this is that vulnerability is awesome uh, because – Whatever your issues are, there's 10 million men out there who share that. And if they hear you talking about it, they go, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. And maybe you've got answers that they haven't figured out yet. It's kind of what the tribes are for, too. So, but that's me kind of shading towards uh, the dungeon. Uh, I don't want to do that, despite the fact that that's all I'm talking about right now.
1: it's kind of it's kind of the uh it's the good stuff what's down deep right yeah um what do you do what what are you passionate about mm. i like that question what do you do so the thing i do best is uh, run amok with my kids run amok that's my favorite actually you should look that up sometime it's like um Eastern term where someone's possessed by the tiger spirit and they get a sword and they kill everybody often ends with suicide. But if they, if they were truly running amok, there's nothing you do about it because they were possessed by the tiger spirit. Anyway, it's come to mean something different in, in a modern culture, but you know, just run around with my kids and I, I wear it proudly and people, people question me a little bit, but I am the worst influence in my son's lives. <laughs> and you would think, you'd think, Oh, that's what a horrible father, but my sons are so Good, uh huh. That uh, so my oldest boy, uh, when he wanted to take his motorcycle over 100 miles an hour, he's like, Dad, I want to do this thing, let's do it. I was like, Let's do it. <laughs> it's like my, my other boys, like, Hey, I want to watch a questionable movie and Gladiator, uh huh. So, yeah, not that this. questionable. And I was like, Let's do it. Let's like, if you're gonna do something that you're worried about, like, you talk to me first and I'll let you know, let's do it. But like, my oldest boy, he had a girlfriend for a year and a half before he went on his mission. He never kissed her because her father said, I don't want you to kiss anyone before she turned 18. So he did not. He refused. Oh, that, that's, wow. that's the type of boys I, I'm dealing with. That's know? a good kid. I was told that too. Let's just say I didn't follow the yeah, advice. Yeah. I, I was physically threatened by one of my girlfriend's fathers and I laughed at him. So <laughs> I, I, uh, they got the obedient good stuff from their mom. I, I would love to go
0: down that road, man. Uh do you feel like you being their uh their devil's advocate, how did that serve
1: them? Okay. Let's let's dive into a little bit of the crazy stuff. So this okay. is interesting. Um it's really important. It's really important that men and women are men and women. It's very important. And we were like the opposite sides of a magnet. Okay. We, they very we do things that are attractive to the other and we do things that support them and we can really have a strong connection and and bind them and and a lot of these things and i know this is controversial to some and so whatever but like one of women's greatest assets is beauty they breathe it they they breed it they create it they bring it they make a man you get a man And like, it's, it's a joke. Like this is the bachelor pad and there's a mattress on the floor and a TV on the wall and a gaming console.
0: Sounds like heaven to me.
1: What else do you need? Yeah. Like I'm single right now. My mattress is on a wooden platform. I have a filing cabinet as one nightstand. I have a kitchen table as my desk. I have a bookshelf and a TV dinner tray thing as my other nightstand. Right. It holds my books. I like to read. That's all I need. Right. And the and part of me says, like, when a woman comes into my life, she can pick. I don't care. Make mm-hmm. it beautiful. That's good. But like you go to a, a bachelorette's house and other things, that's so cute. Right. And so they bring together. So my children's mom is very appropriate too appropriate. So.
0: Too, uh, too appropriate. I don't want to stop you, but we need to go back to too appropriate. So keep yeah. going.
1: No, that's that's the thing. So um, when talking to children, I think it's really important to call body parts what they are. huh. Anyway, some of the body parts names were too vulgar for my, for their mom, for their mom, right? And so.
0: Penis, penis, penis.
1: Uh, vagina didn't exist. It's okay. Vocabulary. It's the bum and the bum. Like, no, that, does, that doesn't work for my little girls. Anyway, but so my boys started seeing, seeing girls, and they were cute. Uh, their mom had really aversion to, like, well, the, you don't want to objectify them. You don't want to, you know, so it's their personality. So I came in with my boys and said, does she have nice boobs? And like, a butt. And like this, like, dad, you can't say that. And I, and I, I sat my son down. And I said, listen. You need to find her attractive and she needs you to find her attractive. Mm -hmm. She will want and like, great, you're in high school now. You probably shouldn't be exploring this too much. But even then, she wants to know that she's pretty and there's parts of her that make her pretty. Now, granted, it's just like a flower. You look at it. It's beautiful to have the bloom. You need the stem. You need the leaves and you got to have the roots. The roots are vital and the roots. You don't dig them out and show them to the neighbors. Right? Like, you need to know that the girl's beautiful and you need to want to see her naked body. But that's a special, special time that only happens every once in a while for very, very, very specific people. Right? (laughs) But the deeper the relationship gets, the more intimately you are together, the more intimately she needs to know that you like her. And so I taught my boys, especially, that it's okay to like a pretty girl and there's parts that should be pretty and she needs to know that anyway. So that's. That's something and, – and yeah, women want to be beautiful. Men want a beautiful woman. And, and tastes and preferences are different, and that's fantastic.
0: Okay. How did that serve them?
1: Well, they were able to appreciate women for all that they were because just like you want to be desired by your wife. Right. Your wife wants to be desired by you. So in the appropriate levels, they could go like my oldest son now talks about how beautiful his girlfriend is mm-hmm. she loves it right and they need to know that that's okay right they need to know that there is physical attraction attraction and to keep it in, in the right space hmm
0: makes sense so the way it uh, the way it benefits them is now they are able to notice out loud which the the woman appreciates that she's beautiful
1: right right. And communicate it appropriately, you know.
0: Uh huh. Got it. Uh, let's let's go down that road again. This is fun. Uh, what what other ways have you been the uh, the evil dad or the devil dad?
1: Huh. <laughs> so here's something that we really struggle with in Western culture. Uh-huh. Uh Is the initiation of manhood. Okay. So I showed you a picture of my second oldest son before we came down here, and he's yeah, he's a beast. Protein prophecies on Instagram. That's him. <laughs> he's uh he's working out he wants to crush my records and one of the reasons why is um so i b- i believe in initiation i believe that men need to know that they're men crush and, your
0: and, records I, I gotta stop you on crush your records do you have records
1: uh, some i can't remember my weightlifting records very well, not as well as my second oldest son is going after him mm-hmm. but he he's He's coming up on my bench. Like, granted, I wasn't huge. Uh-huh. But I, I like to work out, you know? So, like, 265 bench. Uh-huh. For, for a for 165-pound kid, that was decent, right? Um, So, he's going after that. He weighs about 165, but he got into the martial arts and everything. So, <clears throat> right now, he's working on trying to beat me in an arm wrestle, which I hope he does. But this came down to when my... Oldest son was 12. And we got on a job painting lions on the soccer fields, and he was mad at me. And he had the uh, striper in the back, and he said, I'm going to crush you, Dad. One day I'm going to crush you. And I was like, you are? I kind of believe like, like the whole lion thing, right, where like the young lion comes up and kills or drives the old lion out, and now he's, he's the king. Right. right? And they, I, I want my sons, and they will know. They will know when they can beat me. And anyway, so my oldest son says, I'm gonna crush you. And I said, You've you've initiated a ritual, and this is sacred. So I'm really excited because one day I, I do want you to be able to beat me up. I want you to be able to take me down. Like you'll need to know you're a man, and that that will be a great way to, to say it. And so, like, we can fight here on the asphalt, or we can go to the grass. You pick, I mean, you initiated, you call the shots, and he's like, No, dad. No, and it actually was really interesting because rather than me confronting him and saying, you should respect your elders, I was like, yes, you should have this anger and you should like, do it, do it. And he was like, no, dad, no. So I was like, all right. So I helped him get the striper out and we got on the grass and I said, begin. And he was like, no. And so I was like, you got to lock up, you know, got his hand, put my hand on his neck, put his hand on my neck and get pressure on the shoulder, you know, kind of a really basic wrestling thing and said, okay, now you got to shoot in or, you know, strike. What are you going to do? How are you going to take me down? I mean, if you're going to crush me, you got to be on top of me. You got to anyway. So we, we went for a little while and, and, uh, tossed him around a little bit and it was good because he had anger and he could process it, uh-huh. but his younger brother who had just was wrapping up gymnastics and getting into Kung Fu and just practiced punching. It's like, dad, can I try? And I was like, absolutely. The problem is, is like it was like like sixty five and fifty five pound kids, right? Uh huh. And so, my youngest son, he just comes at me. And he just, he's like, can I hit you hard? And I was like, yeah. He's like, can I hit you hard as I can? Like, yeah. I was like, absolutely. And so he just starts wailing on me. I was like, you're doing so good. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not even hurting you. And then he got pissed. Uh huh. And that is like part of the fuel, right? Right has driven him where he is now. So
0: Yeah. And uh seeing that picture, yeah, that guy wins. You know, that that's that's some muscle. That's that's what I heard is, you know, there's always somebody with uh with more than what you got. Yeah. But you, I think your son probably has more muscle in his arm.
1: <laughs> he's he's doing pretty good. But like I want like I want my boys to know like You've earned it. Like, you're here. You deserve to be here. I think the imposter syndrome is common among high-level performers, right? Mm-hmm. Where they think, I'm a I'm a fraud. I'm an imposter. I shouldn't be here. If people knew who I was, they, they wouldn't respect me. They wouldn't use me for business, right? I want my boys to know that they deserve to be where they're at, right? That they earned it. How does uh, letting them
0: hit you or try to beat you up or whatever? How does that help them get there?
1: So the physical initiation, so like I, I'm their father uh-huh. and I'm decently fit, right? right. Um, and so there's a standard there. Like every boy has a level of respect for his father until the father loses it, right? And so I am, by nature of the family order, mm-hmm. I'm the man. Right. And if they can overpower me, then they can be a, they can be a man too. And so, um, spirituality, I hit, I hit him that physically, I hit him that emotionally, I hit him there. Um, their mental faculties, thought process, I hit him there. So they know, like, like, do you know God? Like, what are you doing? So my oldest boy is serving an LDS mission right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And when he decided he was going to go, like I told him, you're not ready. He's like, I want to go dad. And I was like, why, why do you want to go? And he's like, it's time, you know, other people are going, my friends are going. And I was like, so what? Like, how often are you reading the scriptures? How often do you go approach a stranger and say, let me tell you about God. Uh-huh. Like, oh my goodness. Jesus saved me. Like he changed my life. Like, is this, is this really what you want? Like, or is this what you think everybody wants of you? Right. Great. And so he got going and he got his papers in and, and in that moment he earned it, right? Because he decided he's gonna do it against against my will. Mm-hmm. And at that point I changed it, said, okay, you're going. You've initiated it. Let's do this. Right. You know, and so now he's out. I talked to him today, which is weird. Talk to him almost every week on video chat, you know, right in Sweden. And like, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? Why are you talking to him? Right? What you're working on? How's your companionship? How's your prayer? Are you talking to God? Are you following it? Like this is your this is your shot. You got two years and that's it. And then when it's gone, it's so gone. So don't, don't let any bit of this moment pass, you know, like go give your all. You're going to make mistakes. You know, you should be here. If you make a decision and go here, it's way better than over here. And any decision is better than no decision. So go do it. You you know,
0: yeah, my dad was, uh, was none of those things for me. He was, his version of support was to send me a typed letter. I don't know why he typed it. Maybe he figured he could do it faster. Maybe so you could read it. <laughs> maybe um back in that was back in the day when it was a typewriter yeah and uh, he had none of that advice and uh, I I did an LDS mission too and for me much of it was a matter of slogging it out yeah um, I had companions that were hard and it would have been helpful to have uh, a dad or any figure who was like you're here are you?" Are you staying with why you chose, you know, do you know your why first off? And, and second off, are you still in alignment with your why? Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't get
1: that. And allow your why to develop because it should change. That's something I've learned recently. Mm-hmm. Come up, come up with a why. You know, why do you want to do it? Who cares? Try it. See if it works for you. Mm-hmm. See if you still want to do it. See if your why still works. Maybe change your why. You know, why do you show up to work? Why do you have something? You often find deeper meanings. Like, like you show up. To, you show up to the doctor. You're overweight. He says, "You got to run or you'll die." Uh huh. And so you hate. You hate it, and you go and you run and you run and you run because you don't want to die. After a while, you slim down. People start saying, "Hey, you're looking pretty good." So you still hate running, but you go run because not necessarily because you don't want to die, but because. Somebody said something that motivated me. You look good. You. That's all right. And then after a while of running, you realize holy crap, the endorphins feels great. And it's a way to process my emotions, my feelings, and and I love being in nature and breathing. And oh my goodness, look at my body. Look at look at what my body can do. Uh-huh. Like and that's how hopefully we we'll regress. That's that is how you get to heaven, is when you realize that the things you need to do, you love to do.
0: Well said. That's uh that's that's some powerful stuff right there. <laughs> You know, and for me, I'm thinking I'm this is just my beliefs, expectations uh, is that, you know, heaven is is about doing heaven stuff, um, serving. Yeah. And if that's not what you want to do, if you're going to be me and try and slog it out, then that's probably not what you're, where you want to be. And so, you you're not going
1: to choose that place. I have theories on heaven. I, I kind of think, I'm, it, and theories, because they're theories, and I'd love for someone to debate this with me, but I, one of my theories is heaven is the same place. Like everybody will end up in heaven oh. and will be serving people. Uh-huh. And will you enjoy it? Because if you don't, you'll be in hell and you'll just be doing the exact same thing as people in heaven. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that
0: in the job, for example. You know, your job as a, a lone guy. Yeah. You could do that and love it or hate it. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Some days both. (laughs) Uh, Let's ask you that question. What is the best and worst part of your job? People. Yeah. Give me a story.
1: So the thing thing I've realized I can control is did I do the best I could to provide the best service I could. And sometimes like yesterday Mm -hmm. and followed up with this morning, I talked to people out of getting a mortgage. Uh, It's an interesting situation. They've got plenty of money in the bank. For me to do their loan, I need to dig into their corporations and their business and a few of their trusts. I told them, like, this is going to be invasive. (laughs) If you have millions in the bank and you're looking at buying a $327,000 property, just buy it. They're retired. They don't need a wealth portfolio. They don't need to start investing in real estate. And really, like, maybe they need the write-off. Maybe that the mortgage interest could generate, but they don't need the money So I said this is this is your choice this this the implications of buying it and so they wanted to help out uh, A younger woman they know get a start with credit and a place to stay and so I Said this is what it will take to get the mortgage. This is what I'll require Or you can buy it yourself and we can set up a lease option, rent to own, something with the girl you want to help. So helping them out, telling them not to get a mortgage when that's how I get paid. (laughs) So I don't imagine
0: you get a lot of money for telling people not to use you. No.
1: Yeah. Well, then I called them this morning and said, you know, like, I just want to make sure you guys are getting the setup right. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to buy an investment property, they went from we're going to co-sign with this girl we're gonna to rent to her, maybe. It was a smarter move because a lot of people have been a little disillusioned of what mortgages are doing right now because everybody's used to the twos and threes rates and not the sixes and sevens. And oh yeah. Uh, will it cash flow? Is it a good investment? And like, granted, if they wanted to buy this and just give her a house, they plenty of money to do that. But I wanna make sure that they understood what they were getting into. So the frustrating thing is I have other clients I've worked with and helped and said, hey, this is what you wanna do. This is maybe what you should consider rather than buying a home, maybe start a real estate portfolio, and that's how to do it. So they submitted an offer today and they said, We're gonna go with a different lender. I'm like, the reason the reason you have this scenario is because I coached you on how to get it. I've set up the whole process. It's like when people go to the shoe store to get fitted for the running shoe figure out which one it is and then go online and buy it for $20 less. Yeah. Then go buy it on Amazon. And I understand, I understand the appeal, but uh-huh. there's no way you would know what was the perfect shoe without the guy that showed you. Oh, there it is. And so right after, after a while of buying it on Amazon and not buying it from the local shoe guy, you'll just be buying hit and miss on Amazon. So.
0: Well, yeah. Then the shoe guy goes and gets a job at the grocery store and uh, then, and
1: then you can't get knowledge from shoe guy anymore. Yep. So that's, Like I love helping people Uh and like, and the thing that makes it so I can sleep at night is like, did I do my best to help them regardless of what happened? Yeah. Well, the,
0: uh, the upside of that, and I can see how that would totally piss you off and make you want to throw bricks through their windows, uh, on the other side of the coin. Now you're the expert and if they didn't use you, maybe they'll refer 10 of their closest friends to you. So
1: I just, it all comes back, you Uh know, So,
0: yeah, what's, um, so you've been divorced for what? About, uh, five, eight years now,
1: seven, seven, we're just coming up separated for over seven. The divorce being final is six in a bunch of months. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: That, uh, that was easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was, uh, what was a hard part of that?
1: Uh, not fighting. So, oh man, I wish I would have fought a little more, Mm -hmm. wish I would have stood up for myself a little bit more, Um, but my biggest thing was in divorce, the only people that win are the lawyers. Always. And so I settled for a lot less than I could have, so we didn't end up in court. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you, what
0: version of not fighting resulted in you being poorly served? um, is that it?
1: Yeah. Just the, the, the way things, uh, her lawyer was a bulldog <laughs> and I got one. Sometimes I wonder if it, if I would have done better on my own, yeah. but division of equity and ownership of stuff. So uh-huh. One of the fun things was she's keeping everything that's in the house. It has no value. We can't assign it a value. And so she's going to have the marital home and you, you get another place, right? you, and you can get your furniture because the stuff in the home has no value. <laughs> and I wish I would have said if it has no value, I would like to take everything in the home. Uh-huh. So what I did say is so she can have the stuff in the home, I'll have the stuff in the garage. And I I did clean out the garage. Like without a home, I took the hedge trimmer and the, I'd left the lawnmower, but now I didn't take the hedge trimmer. What did I take? I took some stuff that like I had no use for because like I had Nothing. I got I got the mattress out of the guest bedroom and a bunk bed, and I did take the nicer bunk bed. I used to sell furniture. I was like, I don't have a place. I'm going to be moving a few times. I get the nicer bunk bed. But yeah, it's stuff like that where, where we can go to the theory a, a little bit later. But like, yeah, it's just I took good care of the mother of my children. Like so much so that once I got done, one of my buddies said, "That's great. I'm glad you took care of the kids when they're going to be with their mom boat." What are they gonna do with them when they're with their dad i was like oh shoot well they can come chill with me in my friend's basement one bedroom that he kicked his daughter out of so i had a place to live you oh, know yeah. we did that for a bit yeah
0: been there done that one bedroom <laughs> place there was a trampoline outside and that was about all there was uh, to do there was a 13 inch tv <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so it would i mean i going back i really wouldn't change that much there's a few things in my marriage Like I I would do differently now. I wouldn't I wouldn't change the past.
0: Okay, but should we go down that road of things in your marriage you do differently, or uh, should we go down a different road of what it did to you before and after the divorce?
1: Uh, Let's let's talk about things I wish I would have done differently. Okay, the biggest thing is I wish I would have been more honest, Mm -hmm. and that sounds like I lied a lot. Uh huh. And by like I'm I'm I've been through a lot of therapy, and my therapists are like. I've had several therapists say, you're the most rigid person I've ever met. I'm like, wow, well, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but I try and mean what I say and say what I mean. Uh-huh. And so I wish I would have told my wife when my heart was dying that I couldn't love her anymore. I didn't enjoy being around her. And I would get home from work and she would she would say, don't tell me about your day. Uh-oh. If you have something to say, talk to the tree outside. I would call her during the day. She So she was a stay-at-home mom.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Our kids were in school and I'd call her in the day and be like, Hey, I had set times when I would call, I'd call my drive to work. I want to talk to her. Um, and I would call her sometime after lunch. I would like, like to talk to her on my way home. Those are the times I like to call. And, uh, and she would say, I'm too busy, too busy.
0: With I'm too busy for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't have a job. You don't have kids. You're at home alone. Maybe. your
0: your important is less than the jigsaw puzzle that i'm working on
1: whatever it was i don't i don't know i didn't understand that but yeah the i wish i would have said this doesn't work you know i need to know what's going on and like there was things like i'm not there are things i did that broke her heart Uh uh-huh so like i can kind of understand like Women are emotional creatures, and they need to be protected. And I did a horrible job. Uh-huh. Um, but I wish I would have said, "I need this." I've, I've been studying masculine and feminine energy lately. Uh-huh. Still theories, but uh, like uh, I've heard it: the the woman is the water, and the man is the cup. And the man's job is to defend, protect, and the woman's job is to fill it, give it meaning and purpose. Right? Because if you have a cup, that's great, and you have water. It's kind of fantastic, but you really can't hold the water that well. And a cup without water is pointless. But the other thing is when the protected tells the protector back off, he's doing a crappy job, she's going to do it. The protector, his default was, I can't fight you, so I will surrender. And I'll surrender and I'll surrender and surrender until I have no man left. I'm not protecting anything because I've been told to go home and be quiet, stay in the corner too often. When really, if you're a protector, and this is like the same thing with parenting, Right. The kid pitches a fit, he wants donuts for breakfast. You come in and you say, no, that doesn't work. And you don't beat the kid, you don't demean him, but you say, this is, this is the appropriate thing. And women have a diffuse energy. They're focused on everything, right? All at the same time. Uh-huh. And one of the things that broke me as a man is my wife would say, man, I would, I, I would love this and I, this, and I this, and I want 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 this, and I would feel like a failure. Because I can focus on one thing at a time, and like if I chased this, I was running away from this. If I chased that, I was running away from this. And there's no way we could pay off the house and go to Hawaii, and I couldn't be on vacation and earn money. Like, and there's people out there who can maybe. But. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I get
0: that. It's like, I, you know, I want a loaf of bread, so I'm like, okay, I'll get in the in the jeep and. Go get your loaf of Go bread. Get loaf of bread. Right. And then on the way out, she
1: says, why are you always leaving me? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a better illustration. Uh-huh. And so in times like that, it's the man's job, the, the masculine energy. And women have masculine energy, men and feminine energy, right? If you're like, I do want all these things. Let's pick down what are the things we want most. Let's prioritize these. And then and then they can satisfy the feminine, diffuse, creative energy and the man's direct finishing energy.
0: I I'm still stuck on her t- basically telling you don't tell me about your day. That reminds me of, of the interview I did with Todd Nielsen, yeah. and that one just hurt me to the core. Um, he's a uh, he's a former cop. Yeah. Uh, was it Anaheim he worked in? He, and he was uh, drugs, sex, and trafficking, human trafficking. Okay. So, you know, no big deal during his day. He he didn't ever run into anything cool. Right. And he would go home after, a, you know, a hard day where, you know, he shot some people. They bled out. They died. And thankfully, he didn't. He tries to tell his wife about it. And she goes, stop too I much. Can't. I can't.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh. And so his next best friend was Jack Daniels.
1: Huh. Yeah. And I know of Jack. never really had a relationship with him, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. He's um, he's a good listener. Yeah,
1: there's something. <laughs> he takes the pain away and the joy and your money. For,
0: for, for a minute. Um, didn't work out so well with him being uh, Todd's best friend. And Todd is, is perhaps the coolest dude in the universe. Yeah. Uh, man. But, you know, when your wife goes, don't.
1: Yeah. And I had stressful days. I mean... I believe that men are paid for stress, not physical labor. Hmm. You want a job, you can go work. You can go work till your knees fall apart, your hands crumble and you have arthritis, and you'll make a little better than minimum wage. Yeah,
0: you make 20, 25 bucks an hour.
1: Right, but if you get paid for solving problems on an emotional level, level then that's where you make the money. And so there there are times where I was frustrated and, and I didn't protect My heart, my wife, Uh the source of my joy. I I poisoned her. Like these are my struggles, and then they're not—they're not hers to hold. I'm hers to hold, right? And I could come home and I say I have a rough day, and and she could ask for details if she wanted, right? I could give her pieces, but even in that, like I needed to protect her. Case in point, my former wife was a nurse, and in part of her getting her license, she had to work in the different areas of the hospital, and she worked in the NICU. For a while, which is awesome, everybody loves babies, right? Right. And she'd come home and she'd tell me about this baby dying, and this baby's gonna die, and his family doesn't even visit, and this, and I, I had to tell her I can't handle it.
0: Uh huh.
1: She has a different capacity to hold stress, and I, I, just broke my heart, and I, like, I would just sit there and cry, and I, I, can't, I can't hold this. So her, her saying, "Don't tell me about your day," sounds horrible. Uh huh. But also like she couldn't hold it. And if I said, Man, this morning was rough, lunch was great. But man afternoon something and you know, I could have done that and maybe protected her a little bit more. And uh and it would have worked better. And those are things like if I could do it again, I would do differently.
0: So that was uh, what you're talking about when you said you wished you were more honest. You you wished you were more honest with her when
1: when you were melting. I need this. I need this. There's a woman at work that it lights up, lights me up. Uh-huh. That is happy when she sees me. That when I give her a compliment, she says thank you. And I'm scared because she's pretty. Uh-huh. And when I tell her she looks good, she winks at me. And and my wife, when I tell you you look good, you shut me down. If I give you something to wear, you return it.
0: Mm all that's rejection. And
1: and then the
0: next scenario, we all know where that's going next is yeah. like who do I want to hang with? The one that hates me or the one that doesn't? The one
1: I get home I say they, they don't tell me about your day. Doesn't doesn't look up from what she's doing. Doesn't acknowledge me versus I show up to work. I show up to the place where they have to pay me to show up. And it's more fun to be there than to be at home with my wife.
0: Yeah. And of course, every, you know, every affair
1: is probably as different as people are. Right. Right. Everybody has their their basic human needs that they have to have met. And some people say, well, that's a cop out. But like humans need love, just like we need food and air. You got to eat. Right. And so like my fault, my fault. I should have been honest. Mm -hmm. And I could have said at that point, I remember there was one time I was laying in bed and I and the, the impression came to me. Like there's been a few times when God, you should do this. And I was like, mm, no, uh-huh. was like she will freak. But at that point, there was a woman that I like to talk to who is pretty at work.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and I, I wish I wish I would have told her then this is what's going on in my life. She could have said she could have said, I will step up or she should have said you need to leave. And either one i would have been like, well, very good. Like you. You don't want to be my wife or you want to be a better wife and this is your choice rather than chasing down that road and, and giving my ex-wife not many options rugged
0: stuff you must have listened you told me you listened to my podcast and it sounds like there are definitely some parallels yeah it's um, it's it's rugged and uh, yeah it is I feel like it is the role of a man who is drowning to tell somebody that he's drowning.
1: Yeah, you need you need to. You are, you're protect, provide, preside, right? Mm-hmm. You show up, you do the work, and you are responsible for when you need help.
0: And so, when you come home and you get shoved to the corner and told to stay there with your nose on the wall, yeah. um, you can do that, or you can say, look. I'm not okay with this arrangement and I'm telling you this because I'm going to be watching very carefully what your response is and what you choose next will very much affect what I choose next. Yeah. Yeah. Until they get those words, we're not
1: blameless. I think like there's so many, so many voices out there that saying, oh, women are equal to men and, and. And women are powerful, and they're better. And like, I don't think women understand the power they have in their feminine energy that they can. I I I had a friend, love her to death, and she said she's small, she's like five foot two, hundred twenty pounds, and she said if I go into a bar, any man in there could take me, like I do whatever he wants, right? Like I, I am in danger. And I I said yes, but if you asked me to go to the bar with you. Would I go? Absolutely. Like, would I would I be there because you want me there? Absolutely. Would I go on my own? No. That's not where I would want to go. But would any man harm you with me there? Nope. Most likely not. And then, who has the power? Who has the power there? Like, if I was at a bar and some guy dumped a drink on me, I'd be like, whatever. Like, dude, you know, not cool, but there's. I don't want the legal repercussions of doing anything about it. Don't care if some guy disrespects her. There's going to be a problem. Yeah, there will be blood. Right. I. I get that. Um. What?
0: It's. It's. Uh. I, I want to stay with the the whole concept of uh, what a woman does to a man. I. I go back to my interview with Robert Snow where he says you. And he was talking about his wife, Charlotte. Yeah. He says, you don't realize how much power you have over me. Yeah. Uh, he he was, was a contractor. And he goes, I can take any amount of, of abuse from anybody at work all day long. Yeah. They can throw bricks at me, whatever. They can give me language, whatever. I've got my armor up. When I come home, I want to take my armor off. And if I'm getting abused at home, I got to put my armor back on. I don't want my armor on at home. Yeah. And if I do go, if I do have, she said this so much better than me. He says, if I do have to keep my armor on at home because I'm being abused at home too, then why am I doing this?
1: Right. You get tired. Like I felt that. You get tired. Like armor's good. Armor's great. Armor protects you. But it's heavy. Right. You know, you can only be the... The white knight on the horse for so long, you got to get off sometimes. Is there a safe place, you know? Uh-huh.
0: That's what men need. Funny you bring that up. I heard a quote today that I haven't heard from a very long time, is that our women, our daughters included, would rather see us die on the white horse than fall off of it. Yeah. It's a Brene Brown, right? That's a Brene Brown. Yeah, I, love that. I don't remember that being a Brene Brown. I did a- Pretty much all of her books, but I, I guess I've forgotten that quote.
1: She talks about it in her TED talk. How convenient! How convenient that you study women—women's shame, because men don't have any. <clears throat>
0: yeah. and that's why there's mentalizing. You know, uh, my point has always been: women, if they've got a problem, uh, maybe they're considering divorce, maybe it's suicide, maybe maybe they've got a porn problem, maybe their husband has a porn problem, whatever. They can go talk to 30 girlfriends about it. Yeah, they got chatty places. Uh, men? Nope. Can't talk to your wife.
1: Definitely can't talk to another woman about it. <laughs> you can. I'll let you know where that gets you. <laughs> and you're not going to go talk to another man. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's. I mean, men have their armor up. They're not open places. And they, we have our armor up around each other. And we're not used to taking it off. No, no, not not take it off are safe places.
0: Take it off for the wife. That's it. If that, if that, if that. So that's why we have Manalyzing tribes. Is uh, places where we can get guys together and we all take the armor off. And man, it's a it's a weird setting.
1: No, yeah, it is
0: vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, that's a better word. So, um,
1: your hardest moment in your life that you want to talk about. Uh, it was definitely going through divorce, the crucible, right? Uh, I learned who I was as a salesperson type thing, because even though I'm just a loan officer, manager, something, I'm really just a salesperson. And, and and learning, is my drive money or is my drive serving, right? That was That was an interesting lesson. But being full commission, needing to perform, while my heart was being ripped out of me, um, was that was the hardest time of my life. I remember, so today at work, there's a, a few girls there who are support staff. And one of them, she's young enough to be my daughter. Anyway, so she calls me Bestie. Um, it's like, What's up, Bestie? But right next to her office is another girl, a girl that my partner and I hired years ago to replace me when I told my partner, <laughs> actually told my partner in December, like I'm out, I'm going on my own, I'm out. And in January, I let my wife know what had been happening because I'd ended the affair and, and thought, if I, if I put this energy into my wife, she'll love me. Like if I show her the care and compassion I was giving this woman at work, she'll love me, it'll work. And it didn't, and I tried for four or five months. So the end of January, I told my wife at the time what had happened, I said, you're free. Now you're free, which was interesting. I didn't, I didn't plan on saying that, but gave freedom. And then she chose divorce. And so I broke up with my business partner. I broke up with my wife and moved in with my old partner (laughs) in a non-sexual way. Uh But he said, you're, you're moving into my house. Like my daughter doesn't use her room. It's full of junk. I'll have her clean it out and that's where you can stay. So that was interesting. So, um, but I would show up. I would show up to work. And this girl that <clears throat> me and my old partner had hired to replace my me, my job, would look at me and say, have you eaten? No. She was like, how are you doing? And then she would go get food and she'd sit down and say, eat. Okay. She's and she's and She's married and. And I know her husband and everything, but like every once in a while I go over and get a hug. I just love her to death because she was there. She's there. I, re- I remember I would be sitting at my desk and not being able to function. And all of a sudden I'd hear this tick, tick, tick. I think, what is that? I'd look down on my keyboard and be wet and be like, oh, I'm crying again. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So I'd just get up and leave. I didn't do very well business-wise that year. But that, that woman was one of the people who saved me. My my old business partner who said you're moving into my basement. So You ran
0: into a miracle. You you ran into somebody who actually saw you, noticed you, cared about you, and it made a difference in her world if you were eating.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a favorite video I have, How to Lose Weight in Four Easy Steps. It's like a Comedy Central skit. I think the first is don't drink. Second is watch a cart carbs. The third is have your heart broken. <laughs> like I would show up to work a couple months into the separation. People started like, wow, what are you doing? You're looking great. You're dropping weight. What? what are you working out? you on a diet? I'm like, yeah, thanks. You know, it's good. Yeah, I'd leave work, go home and cry myself to sleep and wake up and go back to work. That was dinner. That was the hardest time. That was, that was the hardest time.
0: And uh, here's my golden question. Um, that hardest time you, you're afraid of dream time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I don't know if I would use the word afraid, but you know that dream time gets unpleasant.
1: It's interesting. My, I, I believe have you, man, the five people you meet in heaven, that'd be, that. that's a movie for huh. Oh yeah. Read yeah. that one. Yeah. That's, that's good. Anyway, but my dreams have actually changed. So my ex got married on Friday. Uh huh. It was amazing. It was, yeah, I didn't go. I wasn't invited. I,
0: Oh, thank you. But, uh, you know, yeah, I kind of like. Thank you for not inviting me to that. I yeah. would not have been. Here. It wouldn't
1: have been. And it was good. It was good because my kids had a great time, uh-huh. and and I, I've seen a couple pictures. and She's happy, and and her husband is happy, and it's awesome. Good on him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anyway, but like my dreams have changed. I dream about my ex more than anyone I've ever dreamed about, and it's interesting as my subconscious has processed uh, my relationship with her so actually last night last night i dreamt about her she came into my work she said i need to talk to i need to talk to you and i said is this going to affect my ability to work today and she's like yeah and i said i'm not you can wait and she walked away and i went back to work it was it was really interesting so, I mean, usually the dreams are her destroying my home or, her, you know, Right. Like. so going
0: back to that darkest moment, Yeah. uh, yeah. And I think I identify with you on that darkest moment. I, in my podcast, I talked about how the silence was to call it pure murder. That's, that's not good enough. The yeah. silence was deafening and brutal. Yeah. Uh, there's not words. So you had that darkest moment. How was that a blessing to you?
1: It's interesting because before anything went down, before the affair, before anything, I used to pray to God, like, I want to know. I want to know. I'm willing to pay whatever it takes to know. And so I think there's multiple ways I could have learned a lot of the lessons I learned. But one of the ways was to have an affair. I think there was there was an option of like, hey, we got to correct your marriage or we've got to end your marriage. Introduce this situation. And I chose one of the paths.
0: I had a marriage that was the craps and I didn't say, look, this is not okay, And if it doesn't change, I'm out. Right. I didn't say that because I have no spine.
1: Right. 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 And it's interesting, man. I was talking about this today. Like, it well, was just to you, right? When you're when your stress and your options are here, it's hard to choose. But when you elevate your stress, and these are your options down here, it gets really easy. So I've learned like who I am a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm way more comfortable telling people that doesn't work for me. I don't want that. Right. And I don't I don't care how it makes you feel. Because this is this is me, this is my space. Mm-hmm. And you you want to do something with this? I'll let you know if it works for me. If it doesn't, and you can go, like you can go do all your own stuff on your own, and and, and knock yourself out. And I hope you're happy. But when it comes to this,
0: yeah. And uh, when we, I think when we own ourselves, yeah, that way. When you're going, yeah, this is my world, my space, and I would love to make everybody in it happy, but I'm not going to sacrifice myself for nothing just because it is uncomfortable to not sacrifice we can create a better world for ourselves
1: and people around us there's a lot of talk about that like where we put your mask on first right and this isn't like selfish like put your mask on and then take their oxygen mask right Mm -hmm. like but take care of yourself because if if you can't give of yourself what do you have to give I think the let your light so shine or Marianne Williamson. Our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. It's that we're powerful beyond a measure. Right. Right. So so yeah, like learn who you are, learn what you're good at and,
0: and give. Why was that darkest moment a benefit to you? I, I've asked you that question and you answered it, but I didn't register it.
1: Um, I've come to know God. Okay. I've come to know myself and like, we don't walk in the cool of the morning. That'd be nice, but like my understanding of heaven and what it takes to get there, um, that's been really clarified. Um, the thing I'm I'm still working on now is like, what is it going to take to create my life? Like living in ten- so intent. Like, this is interesting because like that's probably like the thing I would want to accentuate the most is like if you are not willing or capable of requesting and going after what you want no one else is and no one else will do it for you and if you are not directing where your life goes where will it go
0: yeah so the quote that comes to mind is that uh, men like rivers become crooked when they coast something like
1: that i need to find that quote sounds good but yeah like go after what you what you want um and work hard for it like because that's that's the glory like one of the biggest struggles we have now is that everything's so easy and you want to think it'd be a struggle but like you can get a dopamine hit you get a serotonin hit by opening your phone right you get your validation you have people saying you're great do you need to have friends like yeah it's it's hard but like the real glory comes that you put in the work and then you get it you go for the run and then you get the endorphins you well yeah. you serve the people you get the money you grow the garden you eat the fruit you're like what? Um, how old are you? Forty four. Forty four.
0: Forty four year old Jason gets a um, time machine. Okay. What kind of car is it?
1: Oh, it's a car.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a time machine car.
1: Oh man! <clears throat> I'm crying out loud.
0: Are you going to make this a DeLorean or is it a Lambo or? Uh, you know, I I might choose my Jeep.
1: Jeep would be nice. I, want I, some like I want driving comfort. Man, I'm I'm not a big car person. It's a Toyota Corolla.
0: All right, let's get you a Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't a Prius.
1: Yeah, no. I'm worried about the batteries. Yeah, and impact on the environment.
0: <laughs> um. Okay, so you're in your Corolla. You're going back to uh, visit a younger version of yourself, dear younger me. Yes. What age are you going to and what are you going to tell that dude?
1: Just walk with him the whole way because he he screws up so much. I don't know if there's one point I could interject any amount of wisdom that would have changed his course. Um, Probably between 8 and 12. If there's, it's okay. Everybody struggles. Parents are doing the best they can. They love you so much. And you don't need to run from your pain.
0: Sounds like we could do a whole new podcast on you. Don't need to run from your pain. You had you had pain. You wanted to run from when you were between eight and twelve years old. Ah, that's something else I've learned doing these podcasts. I've I've interviewed some kids who were twenty something, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you haven't lived life long enough to have any pain. Oh, they have pain.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, <clears throat> and I wish I had the the source. But they did a a stress study and they took a a little kid, they took their favorite stuffed animal away from him, and then it was like a 50-year-old dude whose best friend died, and their stress levels were the same. Like, it's really common for people to do comparisons. Like, you have no idea what my life is like, but the reality is, is they probably know and have felt similar to what you felt, even though the circumstances are different. I think some people like um, Goggins' books, um, finished one, listened to another, and it's interesting, because like he was beat. You know, but his baseline was so much lower. Like he can dig deeper than most people because he knows like I've, I've, I've been welted and beat sick by my father, you know?
0: Yeah. That was so, uh you can't hurt me. I believe can't was the name of it. Yeah.
1: Which I love because it, it's not about David Goggins saying you can't hurt David Goggins. It's about every one of us saying you can't hurt me. Like, I can do this, I can move on, I can progress, I can, I, I can develop tools to push through the pain and get the thing I want, you know? I love that, but like, he understood how hard he could push himself physically a little bit more than most of us, because we haven't been beaten, not like that. And when you understand, I can get this low and keep going, kind of like what they do in uh, in the training for the military, you know, they take you to a low spot, so you know how low you can go.
0: And then you're starting.
1: And then yeah. And
0: that's why I never did the military. <laughs> Any parting words you want to uh, to throw at uh, the guys that are listening to you?
1: The impact you have on the world around you is way more than you can realize. You are loved, and people need to feel your love. Like we're we're children of God, and and because of that. We are love and we're important. So find out what you need to protect and your purpose and who you need to serve and fill it because you are so valuable. And the more you step into that place of power, the more powerful you'll be. Thank you.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this Manalyzing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalyzing. Manalyzing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalizing.com.
1: Thank mm.